story with me Love who you want to be, who you are Learn these lessons and we'll go far It's story time Story time Story time with Mama G Hello you lovely people It is Mama G here With another episode of Story time with Mama G. Now we have a very special episode today because I interviewed the gorgeous author Michelle Robinson and I talked to her about all the books that she's been releasing. She's published so many books you know. Um, but particularly we are talking about her book that comes out this week called The World Made a Rainbow uh, and it has illustrations by Emily Hamilton and it's published by Bloomsbury Books. Now that, of course, is going to be my book of the week as well. So I'm changing things up a little bit. It's um, absolutely a beautiful book and it's about the experiences that we've all had this year during lockdown and during the pandemic. Um, and I can't wait for you to hear what Michelle has to say about it. Now, before we go any further, you might also enjoy some of Michelle's other books, such as She Rex, also published by Bloomsbury, and Tooth Fairy in Training, which is published by Walker Books, and Ten Fat Sausages, which is published by Anderson Press and is a very funny book that I've read on some of my Facebook lives this year. And also, before we go any further, don't forget you can find me on Facebook, Instagram and YouTube. Just search for at Stories. But now sit back, relax and enjoy my interview with Michelle Robinson. excited because I am being joined by the wonderful author Michelle Robinson. Hello Michelle, how are you? Hello Mama G, I'm good thank you, all the much better for being here with you, thank you for oh. having me. Oh it's my pleasure, thank you for joining me and I'm very excited because this year you have published all of the books. All of the books. For anyone to read. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I just don't stop, do I? I keep churning them out because I'm made of stories and stories are lovely. So they, they manage to write their way out of me. That is, what an amazing start, being made of stories. And so <laughs> when you're writing, I'm, I'm going to ask you more questions about you later, but let's just talk about this now. When you yeah. are writing, yeah. is, is it, are you controlling what you're typing or what you're writing, or is it the stories operating your hands? That's such a great question. Yes, I think the best ones seem to write their way out of you. It's magic, and you're just a sort of a conduit for it. You hold the pen, or like you say, your tippy-typey fingers, but when you're doing it really well, you do seem to channel them. They suggest themselves to you, you know, the characters and the ideas and the adventures sort of just I don't know they, they conjure themselves up in your brain I, I never ask them to come but they come anyway and um yeah they just want to exist so I just try and find the right words to make them happen um and then I try and control those words and make sure that they sound nice when you read them aloud or that you know there aren't too many of them so 
that children get bored listening to them or anything like that. But yes, I'm, I definitely, I kind of listen out for them with my special writer ear. They sort of buzz and chatter away to you somewhere in the universe and then I let them come. Oh, that's amazing. <laughs> and how did you know that you had this ability to channel stories? I think when I was little, I'm 43 now, Mama G. I was 43 yesterday. Oh, Just, happy birthday. Thank you. It sounds really old when you little but really I've just blown out a few more candles on a few more cakes I think I'm still yeah I think I'm still five or six and I think because I can still remember how it feels to make up games and play them and to pretend I'm someone else um I've always done it so I've always either played stories as a kid you know having big adventures that are a bit more interesting than real life um and I've never stopped so I just I find real life can sometimes be a bit repetitive or maybe a bit dull, um, especially lately when we've not been able to go different places. But if you can go there in your imagination, then life's never boring. So, yeah, I just kind of I love I love doing that. I love stories. I love pretending I'm someone else somewhere else. I love that. So and it's basically because I practice it so much. I use my imagination all the time. It's something I've gotten really good at, you know. You know how when you want to get good at something, you just have to do it over and over and over again. And I still go wrong a lot, but because I practice it a lot, I've got better. So That's amazing because practice is very important, actually, isn't it? It really is. And actually, and going wrong is absolutely fine. And I still go wrong all the time. Um, I don't always get my stories right. Sometimes they end up oh goodness, they just go all over the place and I have to just sometimes start again and that's all right. But because I've practiced, I've got better. Because I daydream all the time and I practice with my imagination, my imagination's grown. So I'm not very good at other things. <laughs> if you ask me to do other jobs, like not being a writer, if I had to do another job, I'd be rubbish because I haven't practiced. <laughs> but writing I can do. And, and it's easy to practice something when you enjoy it. And I... Oh, yes. That you must love writing. Oh, I don't think there's anything I love more, apart from maybe kittens. I quite like kittens, but I can't practice at kittens. Can't be a kitten. Can't be, no, I can't be a kitten. And there's only so many kittens that you can take into your life before you become a crazy cat lady. So, yeah. But yeah, I love writing. I love playing with words. I love how they sound aloud. I love chatting to people like you. Um, I love being read stories. I love reading books. I love having, just having chats with people about their own stories. You know, it's all a story, isn't it? Everything. Even when you ask someone how they're doing today or what they did yesterday, that's all us telling stories, isn't it? Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And actually, one of my stories that I've written is called The Story of Stan. And the end of it is about the fact that we are the ones that have our the power to write our own stories because our lives are our stories. Completely, completely. We get to decide how they end and how they go, don't we? Yeah, which we is We get to pick what happens on the page. Yeah. And the wonderful thing for you is that you get to choose that for other people as well. I know. Yeah, it's amazing. I get to decide how it ends and I do like happy endings, so generally happily. Good. But I do like adventures along the way as well because it makes it more interesting, doesn't it? Absolutely. And even in your shorter books, because I know you write, you write some long books as well, don't yes. you? you? write picture books too. Uh, one of my favourites is 
Tooth Fairy training and they go on lots of adventures. They sure do. Well, the thing is, see, I have two young children at home and, and a Tooth Fairy. And um, we like to invent where the Tooth Fairy's been because we have a little door in our skirting board at the bottom of the wall. Oh. But the Tooth Fairy only tends to appear when a tooth is lost. And I think, well, you know, Tooth Fairies are working all the time. There's lots of children in the world and there's not just human children. So, you know, who collects, if a kitten loses a tooth, and they do, they have to get their big grown-up cat teeth, who collects them? Well, it's the Tooth Fairy, right? Absolutely. So, yeah, and just... When when I read Tooth Fairy in training, that was actually quite the revelation to me. <laughs> that, uh, animals lost teeth too. And I, I love the idea of the, uh, I think it's the narwhal that loses a tooth. And I was like, yes, of course they it, do. Exactly. And can you imagine being a Tooth Fairy? Because everyone thinks Tooth Fairies, you know, they're little tiny, cute little things. But actually, if you had to collect the tooth from a crocodile, cute's not going to cut the mustard, is it? You've got to be, you, as well as cute, you've also got to be brave and tough. Um, and a lot of us are cute and Absolutely. tough. And that's what the Tooth Fairy is in my book. So, yeah. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. <laughs> so, okay, I'm going to take us back in time now to approximately <laughs> 43 years ago. So <laughs> we're, we're on Zoom, dear listener, and I would have guessed 21. Um, <laughs> so uh, where are you from, Michelle? So I'm from um, the countryside in Gloucestershire. Oh, lovely. And uh, countryside all over the UK, but especially Gloucestershire. And that yes. has a rich storytelling tradition. Yeah, it does. Yes, lots of Laurie Lee and cider with Rosie and things like that. But Absolutely. yeah, um, yeah, I grew up with a uh, space outside around me, you know, I went to a little tiny village school and I'm, I'm really grateful for that. I think it was a really big part of my being able to daydream and imagine. Um, the world was a lovely, gentle place as far as I was concerned. <laughs> And it was wonderful. So yeah, I grew up um, I'm one of a, a very big, broader family. So I've got 20 something cousins. Um, so I had lots of younger people to play with. And my grandparents lived on a very ramshackle old farm so I could run around the fields and things like that. And it was great fun. Cow poo and stuff like that. <laughs> oh, that's Brilliant. Beautiful. Yeah. yeah. Can you remember what your first story that came out of your imagination was when I was a kid yeah yeah um I remember I used to like writing books even when I was sort of four or five even before I could actually write so I used to ask for notepads and then I'd draw squiggly lines in them that I thought looked like writing oh um, and I would fill the entire notepad with these pages and pages of squiggly lines and I would take it to my parents and say look I've written a book and do you think they were pleased with me? I'm no. sure they were thrilled. <laughs> no, they'd say what a waste of paper but it wasn't a waste of paper because I was imagining and I was practicing with my pens and because I so badly wanted to write I actually learned to read and write quite quickly so I learned before I even started school and then I did start writing my own stories and I remember I used to have have you ever used a stencil for writing where you it's got a hole in a in a tray and you can draw the letter by yes, moving your you, pen if you do a capital a you have to draw in the little attaching bit yourself that's right yeah you have to 
kind of colour in with it, it guides your pen exactly where it, where it goes. And I had some stencils, and I remember having these stencils that were faces, and I made up a story using these faces, and I made them into characters. I can't really remember what it was about, but I think I made them all horse riders. Oh, wonderful! So what you're yeah. telling me, Michelle, actually, is that you invented the emoji. <laughs> Completely. <laughs> all credit to me, please. Yes. Who did the emojis come from? Gloucester. <laughs> Completely. Um, and when you were at school in your your lovely little village school, yeah. what were you, what were you reading when you could read? What was um, giving you inspiration? Honestly, I read anything I could get my filthy little paws on. I loved reading, um, and we we used to have um, a school library bus that would visit us because we didn't have a school library. We did have um a kind of a spinning rack in a cupboard <laughs> that you could visit um, and that was brilliant but yeah the school library bus used to come I can't remember how often it was probably once a month and it was like just the bus of dreams <laughs> this bus would arrive and it was full of books um I used to love reading um Roald Dahl's books I remember the BFD really kind of well, and lighting up my world Roald Dahl day Yes, I have the same birthday as him. Well, that was very slowly realising in my head. That's amazing. And he was one of my favourites because his imagination was so big. Mm. You know, the idea of a giant blowing dreams through our windows and collecting them in jars is just delicious. Um, And I also love the danger of it, that there were these nasty giants that would eat children. I mean, I love that. You know, there's there's a safety in made up stories. You know, we know when we're reading a, a storybook about giants that gobble up children that we're not really going to meet a giant that's going to gobble us up. Yeah. But it's delightful to read about it and to experience that. Oh, my goodness. What if? And how would I get away from that? That's a brilliant thing. And it helps us learn to be resilient, doesn't it? In, Absolutely. In, the real challenges that we meet, they're never going to be as bad as a giant eating us. So whatever Absolutely. it is, we'll be okay, right? Absolutely. <laughs> and the BFG for sure taught me how exciting it is to dream. Yes. A dream that you have in, like, in the daylight that you want to become a reality, or whether it's just a dream that you have at night that you wake up and think, oh, I want to dream that again. Oh, yes. I love those dreams. Sometimes I have dreams that are so detailed, the credits come up at the end like a film. <laughs> Really? Yeah. And I get music playing and I'm like, wow, that was amazing. Oh, and then I wake up and I think I need, I need to go and talk to Hollywood. Absolutely. <laughs> I love dreaming. I've always said that dreaming is like in-flight entertainment. It so is. Yeah. Yes. And I feel really sorry for people that can't remember their dreams. Yeah. Or you know those ones where you've had a really good one and you're absolutely loving your dream. It's like the best thing ever. And then you wake up and it just slips away from you and you can't quite remember what it even was. Yes, but you still have the feeling of the dream. Exactly. You're still feeling really, really pleased and really happy. Yeah, and absolutely. just had an amazing adventure. Yeah. And um, do you ever find with dreams that you go back to similar places? Yes. Yeah, I Definitely. go back to the same place in my dreams quite a lot. And I don't know where it is. Yeah. I like it. That's good. Yeah, see, sometimes I have ones where I'm lost in school. And I think it was where, as a kid, I was worried about doors that I never went through. I was probably always a bit worried about what was behind them. So, right, for right. instance, I was very good in school and I never had to go and see the head teacher or go to the staff room or anything like that. So I still have these anxiety dreams where I worry about being sent there. And I don't, because I never know what, knew what it looked like. I have these weird dreams. <laughs> it's really odd. Yeah, I was a very, very 
good goody two-shoes. Not to say that I didn't get up to a lot of mischief as a child. I sure did. I once cut all my hair off because oh. I wanted to be a, a, you know, in the famous five, you know, George, Georgina, yes. the, yeah. she wanted to be a boy. So yeah, I did, you know, all kinds of naughty things too, but I just, I was always very conscious that at school I needed to be good. I didn't want to be in, in trouble with any teachers. Oh, I love it. that. <laughs> I was, I was, uh, I think I was similar, but I was a goody two-shoes. And, but when I was naughty, people were so surprised they didn't think it was me. Yes. Well, I'm very good at that. As well. I'm still very good at that. If you smile sweetly, yes. you get away with an awful lot of cheekiness. Yes. I've got a very innocent face. <laughs> you <Very> do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and when you were at school, um, did you know you wanted to be an author or did you want to be some other amazing jobs yeah um I did know I've always known since I was writing those silly not real books of just squiggles I knew I really wanted to do that but here's one of the things about being a, a writer and an author or somebody who's creative and likes to make and create things out of nothing is you find everything interesting mm. I am interested in everything so when I got to be sort of more of a grown-up and I was what I suppose about 18 and I was suddenly allowed to choose what might I study what might I practice a bit more um, until I can make it a job and they I had this big book a kind of A to Z it's called a UCAS book and I was thinking mm. about what I wanted to do and I didn't really know so I started at A and I went through and I didn't get very far because I liked the idea of everything so I was sort <laughs> of looking at it and it would say A is for advertising went oh that sounds nice I like that A is for architect oh I'd quite like to be an architect <laughs> archaeologist that sounds good and it just all sounds brilliant astronaut I'd do that you know it just it all interests me and the nice thing about being a writer especially when you're making made up stories is you can experience a little bit of all kinds of things absolutely so, you can be all of those things. Exactly. So I've been a knight. I've been a princess. I've been an astronaut. I can be a dinosaur and I can read a little bit about it, read other books, or I can look at other people and ask other people who do that and see what it would be like. And then I can kind of put myself in those shoes to make up the story. It's the best job in the world. I love it. But yes, I did always know I wanted to write. That's fantastic. When, when you're writing, these amazing characters that have amazing jobs. Have you ever started writing a character that has a job and thought it was going to be lots of fun? And then as you're writing going, oh, <laughs> grocer isn't as fun as I thought. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. But then that's why writing's quite fun because if something like that happens, what you end up doing as a writer is you shock that person into something else happening. Oh. So you maybe give them a crazy adventure. So something happens that they absolutely weren't expecting. So if you think about a lot of your favorite stories, even if they're movies, not necessarily a book, quite often the hero is quite boring actually if you take them out of their adventure their real life is quite dull it's not until something happens that kickstarts their adventure that that all gets shaken up so, yeah. that's very interesting yes. a little insight there into how to write yeah. a good story i wonder <laughs> if there are any stories about really interesting people who lead terribly dull lives <laughs> The day Mama G's life got really boring. <laughs> oh, oh maybe I, don't know, I don't know whether I'd read it, though. That, well, that's the problem, isn't it? <laughs> if, if people discovered that I did, in fact, go to the supermarket 
uh, <laughs> the other day and buy frozen peas. I don't looking know fabulous, though. Looking fabulous always, but quite <laughs> often not talking to people, keeping my two-meter distance. Absolutely. <laughs> and weighing up whether I want a Mars bar or a Twix. Oh, both. Both oh, is well, my advice. Well, yeah. yes. Yeah. And actually, the option would be a double-decker. <laughs> but anyway this is about me and when i go to the shops this is about you michelle um so well we so your ideas grow in your head and they sort yeah. of they knock on your skull and say let me out please they, that's exactly it is it yes and then they travel down your arms yeah and they they type or they write themselves out yeah have do you ever start a story and think well you, you want to get out of my head, but I don't know what you want to do. Oh, yes. Yes, and then often. they guide you. Yeah, often. So it, it probably sounds quite easy that I just let them come out of me. Sometimes they do, and sometimes it's really hard work to wriggle them out. Right. Really, really hard work. And I make a lot of false starts. So sometimes it might take me 50, 60, 70 goes to start to even start writing a story and I'll have them all saved on my computer. Um, I never look back at them because once I've moved on, I've moved on, but it feels nice to have them there just in case. Um, and sometimes it takes years. Sometimes you might have the start of an idea or a bit of an idea in your head, but it's not complete. And it, sometimes it just takes another day, another experience for two different ideas to bump into themselves in your head for it to suddenly all fall into place and start making sense. Um, but yes, I do end up having to write characters through all kinds of situations and quite often they're dead ends. And I think, nope, that didn't work. I need to try again. <laughs> oh my but that, that's part of the beauty of writing. Absolutely. You have a firm word with the character and say, sort yourself out. Exactly. That's it. When you are writing, it is you, you have to sort of remember no matter how difficult it can feel at times, we are in control you know, we get to choose the words. We just sometimes have to pull our socks up and be tough and say, it's all right, I can do this. They're only words on paper. It's okay. I don't need to be <laughs> afraid of them. And if those ones aren't right, there are plenty more where they came from. Um, Absolutely. And, and I will find them. It just might take me a while, you know. I often think of the bit in Snow White where the dwarves are digging in the diamond mine and it's all black and coaly and then they'll see a little bit of a glimmer of a jewel and they dig and dig away and if you're lucky and you keep digging away that coal you'll find out it's not just a little spark of a gem it's a great big shiny one but it does take the work to get there you do have to chip away to find it um so that's what writing's like you're trying to chip away and find those really perfect gems but there's a lot of chipping to do first. <laughs> Absolutely. And Snow White's a good analogy because of the seven dwarfs, only one of them is grumpy, which means the other six are being very positive. That's true. That's true. There's some days, though, Mamaji, where I am several dwarves rolled into one. I'm oh. sleepy, grumpy, a little bashful, you know, uh -huh. sneezy, maybe. <laughs> Just you know, and it's um, yeah, it's quite fun being multiple dwarves. Well, just remember at the moment, Michelle, that you can only be six dwarves at a time. That's true. Yes. <laughs> seven, unfortunately, you will get fined. Um, yes. What was the first book that you had published? Um, it was called, I think I'm right. My first one was called What to Do if an Elephant Stands on Your Foot. 
a self-help book. Yes. <laughs> For anyone who's feeling downtrodden by a, a, a large, a large elephant. Yes. Um, yeah. And when when was that? When did you have that published? I I first found out that it was definitely going to be a book in two thousand and eight, and it didn't come out until two thousand and twelve. <gasps> that right? Yes, that's right. I had to think about my maths then. Yeah, <laughs> four years. So it's um, not a job if you're impatient. You do have to wait particularly with picture books where they're full of really lovely full colour art that takes a long time for the artists to create so yeah and the the art in all of the your books that I've seen is all wonderful you've worked with some incredible people I am so lucky I keep getting paired with the most incredible artists um I wish I could draw and I wish I could illustrate I do draw I love drawing I think it's relaxing and fun and brilliant but I'm just not good enough um to do art that people would want to pay money for <laughs> to you look are at very creative because you do create your characters in other ways don't you yes 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 i've paid papier mache to troll yeah. on my list of things i wanted to ask you about, <laughs> i have to say papier mache <laughs> and yes. that's amazing that's what lockdown will do for you that's absolutely <laughs> some of us made sourdough bread and other people made papier mache monsters <laughs> exactly i made a very um actually a life-size troll he comes up to probably the middle of my thigh um he's sitting in the local bookshop window at the minute taffy trafalgar from I, Do think, Not Disturb the I Dragons. think that's incredible because obviously that character came from your imagination yeah and then you passed it on to the illustrator's imagination yeah then they said to you, this is what I think both of our imaginations have created. Yeah. Then you said, now I'm going to make it 3D. Yes. Glue and newspapers. Yes. And Wagamama cartons and all sorts. Yeah, Smarties tubes. Yeah, Sharon Davey, who illustrated Do Not Disturb the Dragons, is just amazing. Um, so I was actually quite nervous about making a 3D model of one of her drawings because I thought Sharon would do such a better job than me. She's made um, a beautiful hat of Poop the Unicorn. So she has this unicorn head that she can wear and it has a light up horn and everything. Oh. Um, so I'm sure if she had made Taffy in glorious 3D, he'd have been loads better. And But it was good fun to do. Well, it was I was very by what you achieved. <laughs> Um, and how does that relationship between the author and the illustrator work? How do you communicate what you think you want their pictures to look like? Yeah, it's, it's really cool, isn't it? And I get asked about it a lot because I think it is the really magical bit about books, you know, how those things gel together and, you know, how, how does it happen? Mm. Um, it's different every time. Traditionally, in the old days, publishers didn't like authors and illustrators to talk, really, particularly. Oh. So they'd quite deliberately keep you separate so that they could control the different aspects and not have you annoying one another basically kind of you know your job is over there and your job is there and we'll control it all and make sure it works and that's fine and I can see the benefits in that because I think some authors are a bit probably a bit bossier than me mm -hmm. do like to you know tell people exactly how things should look right. I like to leave it pretty wide open so quite a lot of the time when I write my books I don't even say whether the character is a boy or a girl mm -hmm. I don't even say necessarily whether they're human unless I absolutely have to um, and I leave that up to the illustrator because I want them to enjoy the story as much as I have and if they do have to spend several months working on my story I want them to enjoy it um, and I think to enjoy the thing you're creating you have to love it um, and if somebody told me what to write, 
I, I think I'd feel like they were holding my wrist and saying, write it this way. I wouldn't enjoy that. And I don't want to do that to an artist. I don't want to hold their wrist and say, draw this. Um, I want to see what they come up with. And it's really magic when you do get to see it. Um, and Sharon, who did Do Not Disturb the Dragons, just nailed it. As soon as I started seeing her sketches, I was so happy. <laughs> just amazing. Have any of the illustrators created something and, and you've gone, that is actually what was in my head? Yes, quite often. Or actually, what, what tends to happen more is that it's even better than you imagined. Right, of course. Um, yeah, and it, it, it truly is magic and it never wears off. I think I've done something like, I think if you went into a bookshop or a library and they had one of all of my books, I think there's something like 37 and I've got about 15 to 20 on the go extra ones. And it never wears off that feeling of excitement and joy. Mm -hmm. Just doesn't, it doesn't get less because I've done it more. It's ridiculous. When the postman actually brings me a finished book in the post, I'm like a kid in a sweet shop. It's just yeah. exciting. And I put them on my mantelpiece. And then I pretend like I'm just a, a, a passerby walking by and I go, ooh, look at that book. Doesn't oh. that look good? I wonder who made that. I oh. love that. Yeah, it's Michelle Robinson. She sounds brilliant. <laughs> it, but it just, it never, it never fades. The joy of making books and the joy of seeing illustrators bring your characters to life. It just does not fade. It's wonderful. And do you go into bookshops and do the same thing? Do you rearrange <laughs> the shelves so your books are facing out? Completely. All wearing a mask and with sanitised hands. Of course. Yes. Of course. But it's, um, no, it's really tempting actually in bookshops. It is tempting to kind of, put your books in the window when no one's looking or like <laughs> by the till in a great big pile but um this is the problem with being called robinson and writing picture books is i'm always behind michael rosen in the, on the oh, shelves i'm always tucked, yeah i'm always tucked behind we're going on a bear hunt so um yeah i, don't, I should have called myself something else oh, well everyone's read we're going on a bear hunt it's true and it's very very good <laughs> yeah some Michelle Robinson books everyone Ooh, right but well, this is the lovely thing about bookshelves though right they stretch there's always room on the shelves for new stories um and yes it is important to discover new ones isn't it or we'd all get bored so, absolutely do you ever look at your bookshelf and think oh my god there's so many stories on there oh my yeah. goodness oh there's so many people how, how, are, they, how are the shelves surviving why are they not yeah. crashing down with the completely Yes, it's very, yes, it's a small world as well. So a lot of us children's book creators know one another and we're all very supportive of one another because we know how hard it is um, to get onto the shelf in the first place and then to find some way of actually staying there. Or, you know, we write books because we want them to be read and enjoyed. That's it, really. Um, and it's trying to find ways of making sure people know they're there um, and that children are loving them. That's all we really want. It's just to know that they're being shared on laps and at bedtimes yeah. and in classrooms. And it's so lovely when someone gets in touch and tells you they've enjoyed your book. It's just the best. And you actually have a very good way of making sure that people can know about your books and engage with your books in different ways. Because you do have I? a YouTube channel. <laughs> I do have a YouTube channel, so you yes. You do wonderfully silly things and tell stories. Yes, it's good fun. Um, yeah, I, I, I miss being with children. I haven't been able to see as many children as I normally would because of COVID. So normally I'm in classrooms and clowning around. So having a YouTube channel means I can sort of do it a bit. 
um, and that kids can enjoy it from anywhere, which is lovely, whether it's in class or whether they're at home. Um, so yes, it's just, I love clowning about. So I love writing, but what I really love is getting kids excited about stories, not necessarily just mine, but yeah. just, just to share my love of reading and wordplay and the joy you can have with pen and pencil, pen and pencil, pen and paper, pencil, <laughs> paper. It's just, it's the best. It's, I don't know anything else that makes me feel as free and as happy and content. Um, so I love kind of being able to share that with children. Um, so yeah, the YouTube channel helps me do that a bit. So I set silly challenges and, you know, fun things that you can do. Even if you haven't got the book, you can still have fun yes. doing these silly challenges. Um, and you yeah. have dressed up as a sausage. I have. I've been many things in my time. <laughs> I've never been quite as fabulous as Mama G. I think I need more makeup and shoulder pads. But yes, I've been a sausage, a banana, a dragon slash dinosaur. No one seems to know quite what it is, but it's green and spiky. Right. Um, and yes, people keep saying, what are you, how are you going to dress as a rainbow? And I don't know. Maybe face paint? I don't uh, know. But well, yeah. I, I dress as a rainbow often, so maybe I'll come up with some creative ideas for you. You could maybe give me some tips. Maybe yeah. you could do a, a YouTube video for my channel. We can do how to dress, how to be a rainbow. To be a rainbow. I think that's actually a very good idea, Michelle. Yeah. Because yesterday, I was also yesterday, this is very exciting yes. for both of you listening and maybe for Michelle, but I was down in Brighton this weekend, so I wasn't in my flat. And when I got home, I had a copy of Michelle's new book waiting for Aww. me, which is called The World Made a Rainbow, which is why we're so excited about rainbows. Yeah. And, and I looked at the cover and it's very beautiful because it has a rainbow on it. And my first thought was how to make my eyes look like rainbows. <laughs> Oh, yes. And I think I've got an idea, but I need to practice it. So this afternoon, I'm actually going to go to the makeup shop and buy some makeup. Oh, brilliant. Well, I can't wait to see your video on that then. That's going to be yes. great. Well, because in honesty, Michelle, I'm not very good at makeup. I just always do the same makeup, but I've got a bit <laughs> confident recently. So I thought I would try some new things. Brilliant. Um, now, let's talk about The World Made a Rainbow, because it's also yeah. a very beautiful book, because I read oh. it last night. And... Um, it's about what's been happening this year, isn't it? Yes, I really wanted, again, I don't think I could help myself. This story woke me up at three o'clock in the morning, early on in lockdown, and I knew I just had to write it down. So I got up and by about half past six, I'd done it. Um, but yes, I wanted to write a book or a story or a poem. I just wanted to write about what's literally been happening. I didn't want to write a story that was you know, about the beauty of rainbows and that was you kind of had to read into and, and try and apply to real life. I wanted to write about what it's been like to be uh, young and to be at home for six months, not allowed to go to school, not really allowed to go out apart from an hour exercise every day, not allowed to see your friends. Um, and because I've got two young children at home and plus I'm still a kid inside and it's been pretty rotten for me too. Um, and so, yes, I just wanted to write a story that captured how we feel now, um, that gave us something, you know, I hope the book is something that we can use to talk about what summer has been like. Mm -hmm. um, every child will have had to live by the same rules, but of course, we all have, all had, we all have different homes, we all have different families. Um, some children will have been carrying on going to school if their parents were key workers. 
some children will have experienced the virus in, in different ways to others, but there are some things that are common to us all. You know, we have all had to change our lives very, very quickly in a very big way. And I think that's, that's been bewildering and confusing and upsetting and challenging for me as a, as a grown up. Mm. And I know if this had happened to me when I was five, six, seven, eight, I would have found it quite hard to, to get to grips with, even though kids are wonderfully resilient and brilliant and awesome, and actually in many ways better than grown-ups, it's <laughs> a lot to have to get your head around. So I wanted to write a story that enabled us to look at it and go, oh yeah, I did that. I had to stay in, or I saw lots of rainbows in windows, or actually my mum was busy a lot, or my siblings were a bit challenging, and sometimes I got upset, and sometimes I missed things. Um, and I wanted to put that down. And my massive wish when I wrote it, I've got to be honest, was that if it did become a book, that by the time the book came out, this might all be well behind us. And sadly, it's not yet. But one day it will be. And then we'll have this book where we can talk about what it was like, and it will become a part of our history. Um, and we'll be able to talk about it in a way that helps us heal. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And I think you've actually, the timing for the book is, is perfect because despite the fact that the situation isn't over, it's yeah. a very positive look at where we are at the moment. I hope and, so. And because a lot of the books that were released very quickly by publishers were all amazing, especially yeah. for children, but telling you how to behave and yeah. what to do and how to stay safe, which was really, yes. really important. But this book is saying, you've done all that. Yes. Achieve something amazing. And yeah. it's being published this week. Yes. It's, <clears throat> sorry. It's telling us that we can still do that and we can still achieve and we still, yes. and people still need our help and our support. And Completely. still need to be, because I, I think, I don't know how it's been for your children, but going to school has probably been very exciting for lots of children, but also very scary at the same time. Yes, we've had a mix here. So my children have been happy to go back, but certainly my son was a bit anxious about everything too, because of course for months we've been saying, steer clear of people yes. and all of a sudden we're saying it's okay to be back in a room full of people and having to sort of adjust that messaging to them and reassure them that it's okay to be back together has been challenging for sure so far my children have managed three days and now they're home with a nasty head cold <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> so that's us here for a while but you know that's all part of being back together isn't it it's a, a, a time of year for lots of colds and coughs yeah. and colds so um but yeah, it's, um, it's been such a challenging time and it will continue to have its challenges. But if we're all doing the right things and we're taking care of one another and we're being responsible, we'll get there. It will be OK. Um, but it's certainly just been it's been so huge, hasn't it? It's just been such a huge overnight, completely change your life, completely change the way you behave. Not all of it in delightful ways. You know, we miss one another, don't we? Absolutely. And and that's tough, but hopefully what the book does, instead of just, to, you know, some of the, the stories that have been published, which like you said, they're brilliant, that tell you how to, to catch your cough or how to wash your hands. Um, this book is really helps you talk about how you feel and think about the ways this has made us feel and that that's all right. It's okay to sometimes be happy. It's okay to sometimes be anxious. It's okay to sometimes feel really cross about it all. That's all right. And we, we will all continue to have days where we feel cross about it all. 
or where we're stuck at home and our families are driving us nuts that's okay and I think the one thing I found when we did go for our sort of hourly exercise and we'd walk around the block seeing rainbows in windows was the most comforting thing because it made me realize I'm not alone I'm not the only we're not the only family going through this absolutely um and so seeing all these rainbows it's like there's actually you know what there's kids in every single one of these houses who are having the same issues and watching an awful lot of telly (laughs) (laughs) i found that very uh comforting the same as you just seeing all these all these rainbows because the rainbows aren't and it's gonna sound weird they're not a cry for help they're a weird fear it's solidarity yeah Yeah. it's like a wave isn't it or a hug when you can't hug absolutely and i think that's the positive message that goes through the the entire book and even yeah. at points when the character gets frustrated with her family and sad about her friends, the, the end result is that she knows that everyone is there for her. Yeah, that's, yeah. Which is absolutely lovely. Yes, and, yeah, and, I, and that's what the rainbows have done for me. And they show, I think I was so keenly aware that key workers have been really up against it. Teachers, mm. nurses, bus drivers, bin collectors, everybody who's been working so hard who's had anxieties themselves and they've kept going and I felt very redundant through all of this I thought I dress as a sausage how on earth can I help anybody (laughs) so it's felt really good to me to write something and to be able to do something positive with the skill I do have feels really really lovely so I'm really proud of this book and I hope it sells lots of copies because it's all that the money's going to save the children so absolutely so it's um doing wonderful work for charity as well yes so i hope yeah i hope it's my biggest selling book ever because well, <laughs> that means save Everyone the children get more money <laughs> of the world made a rainbow um and it's illustrated by emily hamilton and her illustrations are really fun as well aren't they gorgeous and emily has done honestly and the whole team at bloomsbury who published it have done the most astonishing job let you say it's just come out i only wrote it a few what a couple of months ago i think i wrote it in march it's mad that they could turn a book around in this time um, and to do it so beautifully. It, um, I will be forever astonished and grateful. Um, but, but I yes. mean, no pressure to Bloomsbury now, but we know you can do it really quickly. Yes, yeah, no excuses. Yeah. <laughs> Don't make this make for Michelle's next 20 books. Get them, pump them out. <laughs> Just like that. Just like that. And I'm sure, yeah. um, of course, it's, it's not that simple, but I'm very, very pleased that they have been able to make this beautiful book available so quickly, yes. uh, especially, like I said earlier, because this timing, I think, is perfect because we're yeah. still love it. So to have a positive book that sees the light yeah. at the end of the rainbow is absolutely beautiful. That's it. There's always hope, isn't there? And um, that certainly doesn't dwindle. I think for me, there's been so little reassurance through all of this coming from, you know, the powers that be. I think sometimes we all just need our mum to say, it's, it's going to be all right. Um, yeah. I think that's what I was, I was trying to be that voice, but I think I needed to tell myself as much as anybody else, it will be all right. It will. Absolutely. And that's the thing as, as grownups, we know, don't we, because we've been through things, we know that we can go through hardships and somehow eventually things will, things will turn out. Okay. Mm. Um, but when you are, five six you haven't experienced that many things to be able to know that it's going to turn out all right but it will listen to grown-ups we sometimes know what we're talking about we do know <laughs> sometimes that, we do and if you yeah. don't want to listen to us buy michelle's book 
find out that way and support Save the Children. Yes, thank oh, you. Yes. Well, thank you very much, Michelle. It's been lovely to share this oh. morning with you and to talk to you. Thank you. It's been an absolute delight. Uh, and very quickly, talking about Bloomsbury, you've also got another amazing book which came out this year. Yes. Bloomsbury called She Rex. Yes. Uh, which <laughs> illustrated by Deborah Allwright and is very funny. It's like a complete flip reverse of The World Made of Rainbows. It's yes. very, very, very funny. Yes. Um, also look out for She-Rex as well. And anytime you see that a book is written by Michelle Robinson, I urge you to buy it because it will be marvellous. Thank you. Yes, not <laughs> Michael Rosen, the other one. <laughs> yes. Stick look behind him Michael in the shelves. <laughs> you're really looking for. <laughs> uh, and before we go, Michelle, uh, where can people find you on all the social medias, etc.? Yes, so my website will lead you everywhere and it's very simple. It's michellerobinson.co.uk. But if you find, find that, you can then find the little clicky links and find me on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and anywhere, okay. anywhere that I manage to spread myself around. <laughs> <laughs> Fabulous. Well, thank you so much, Michelle. Well, and thank you. Will, well, let's keep in touch, shall yes, we? Yes, please. Yes, please. And good luck with your stories too. Thank you. Wasn't that a lovely chat with the absolutely gorgeous Michelle Robinson? You know, when we first started talking, I said to Michelle, I'm going to try and keep this brief because I always talk too much. and The interviews always end up being terribly long. And, uh, well, I did not succeed because Michelle is so fascinating and she's got such a lovely, lilting, lyrical voice. It was a pleasure to talk to her. So do go and find The World Made a Rainbow um, by Michelle Robinson and illustrated by Emily Hamilton. I will put a link to a place you could buy it in the description of this podcast and also um, the links to all of Michelle's social medias or maybe just to her website. Yes, I'll just do one to her website. And then like she said, you can find everything else you need to from there. Uh, thank you so much for joining me. Uh, I don't have anything terribly exciting coming up, I'm afraid. Uh, I will, of course, be on Glitterbeam Radio every Sunday at one o'clock, playing music that I like and telling stories and generally just wittering away. Uh, we are making plans for uh, more story times, more Facebook Lives, and of course, don't forget, you can book tickets to see Rapunzel at the Woodville in Gravesend starring moi. Uh, this Christmas. So we've got lots and lots of things in the works, my darlings, and almost so much that I'm too busy to tell a simple story. But we will get back to all of that very soon, and of course, there will be another podcast for your delectation and delight next week. And don't forget, you can find me on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Just search for at Stories. I'll see you all soon. Bye! Story time with Mama G. Come and hear a story with me. Love who you want to be, who you are. Learn these lessons and we'll go far. It's story time. Story time. Story time with Mama G.